0: Hello and welcome back to Gellamafri, a podcast about history, society, culture, and the things people believe. I'm Lanny and and
1: I might be Buffy.
0: We've we've been theorizing about who this actually is. For the purposes of this episode, I'm going to assume it's Buffy. If anyone has any contrary evidence, keep it to yourself.
1: I can neither confirm nor deny that this is Buffy.
0: I can do a secret third thing, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. <laughs> Today, we did something a little bit different. You, our last five episodes, I've been kind of finding weird stuff in history and then talking about it. And which isn't to say that I'm not doing it again. But we also had a couple new additions. First of all, uh, we watched a movie. It it was... It was a movie. It was absolutely a film. We sat down. There were lights that appeared. There were sounds (laughs) that affected our minds. And we looked into the soul of a deeply demented man, John Cusack.
1: Welcome to John Cusack's Twisted Mind, everybody. (laughs) We watched 2012.
0: We watched 2012. And then... Because I thought it wasn't new enough, I sat down with someone who was more in tune with the more uh, esoteric aspects of the film—a writer and uh, investigator, Lloyd Wills. That'll come, but first we have to talk about the film. What is your first reaction to the film?
1: That was two and a half hours.
0: It was two... It was 158 minutes. That is... That is a fact. Billions died.
1: It start... Okay, how can a movie claim to be 2012 when it was released in 2009?
0: I think either way, it's false advertising.
1: False advertising all the way down.
0: It was a documentary, but we didn't get that universe. The plot is... The sun is angry. And it was so, also
1: smoking a blunt.
0: It does smoke a blunt. The, the, the sun did smoke a flat one. A flat one. And it is sending out neutrinos, which, according to the movie, are little tiny lasers that go right to the center of the Earth and make it a little spicy. And so this Earth's core destabilizes and all the continents just kind of do a little jig and as a they result they did a little dance the little dance and killed probably 99% of the population like five people survive but the film starts in 2009 with chuatel as playing dr adrian helmsley of a a, uh, bio- a geologist who discovers that the sun is doing a little gamer moment he tells the president and the president decides to build a bunch of giant boats in Tibet. Why Tibet? I have no idea. This probably China. I'm gonna I'm gonna blame the film industry on this one. They wanted to sell them in China or something. But the point is
1: they had a weird like fixation with the East Asian, like, I don't know, religion.
0: Yeah, the entire the, the first trailer. If I remember correctly, because I haven't seen it since like I was eight, but it was just this Buddhist monk on a mountaintop who gets killed by a flood. And that's it. That's your, that's your teaser. And so the United States president builds giant boats in China and charges tickets. He he sells tickets to all the rich assholes in the world for, uh, and, and he sells them in euros, So I think this is a really movie about uh, globalism. So we have a a three-year time skip. We just kind of jump around as he's uh, building boats, selling tickets, uh, playing Civ, doing whatever. And then we get to our real main character, the real hero of the story, John Cusack, who's basically an Uber driver, but for really rich people. And he does it with a limo.
1: Um, and a deadbeat dad
0: And a shitty dad Who like Doesn't know his kids His kids just hate him He listens to songs about people dying in the car With his kids um, One of the kids calls him by his first name And the reason is Is that John Cusack is being cooked By a plastic surgeon Who can also fly Anyway so, so He has the kids for the weekend He decides to take them in a limo Yellowstone National Park, which I've informed is not in California, but it's actually a 14-hour drive from Los Angeles. So he's just taking his kids on a 14-hour long car trip in a limousine into the woods. So you can already see he has a really strong survival mentality. When he gets there, he finds... That his favorite makeout spot with his ex-wife is now being fenced off with like razor wire and has been just completely shut down by the US military. His initial reaction is to jump the fence, make his kids do the same, break into a secure area, and just kind of hang around for a bit. What he discovers is the lake. It was like a I'm um, I've never been to Yellowstone, so apparently there's a lake there. I've been informed. It's gone. It just evaporated. <laughs> and he just and he gets kidnapped by the U.S. military. But fortunately, that happened to be the day when age, Dr. Adrian was visiting, and Adrian happens to be the one person who read his shitty science fiction novel. So Again, instead of
1: this is fucking wish fulfillment from yeah. John Cusack.
0: Yeah. So instead of getting sent to get Mo with his children, he, they just let him go. But along the way, he gets jump scared by Woody Harrelson, the best part of this movie, who is like a survivalist, doomsday prepper, conspiracy theorist who has a podcast and lives in an RV. So he, he's living the dream, really. And he is warning of an impending apocalypse. Because he knew what was happening, he, he he like has someone blow the whistle on him to him, so he knows about the, the ships and all that. And basically, he has a little cartoon that he shows John Cusack of the sun smoking a blunt, and he has, and it's mostly stuff we just you know, we just learned at the beginning of the movie, just being restated. But we do get something interesting in that he cites this guy uh, Charles Hapgood. Who mentioned something about a crust shift, like the orange, like an orange peel being rearranged, that'll cause that has caused great catastrophes in the past and will again in the future. John Cusack is like on the verge of leaving him until he mentions that the rich people are trying to escape, and he's just like, nope, 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 they're gonna die too, you know, and. <laughs> But as soon as he gets back, he gets a call from his Russian oligarch buddy. He's like, "Hey, uh, I need my boys," and so he takes some because the world's about to end. So he he gets he picks up the two incredibly German sons. These are just uh, Hollywood has a thing about not casting Russians anywhere. So the, the Russian oligarchs, like Estonian or something, and the two sons are either doesn't
1: he like not even speak Russian in the movie. Like, he says something in, um...
0: Yeah, the the the, the guy int- introduced as the Russian president speaks Serbian the entire movie. But no, these two sons are, like, the most Bavarian children I've ever seen. They're just, like, fat, little plump-cheeked little boys who just want their chocolate.
1: They're just little lads!
0: They're just little scamps. And you want to kill them by the end. But takes them to the airport where they're just, oh, by the way, they, they just tell him everything that's going on because they're little shits. And so he decides, and I think he's going to, I don't know what his plan is, just kind of get out of there. So he gets his family, and just as he gets his family...
1: He's deciding you, to leave a toxic environment.
0: Yeah. The toxic environment being California. <laughs> which, fair. And just then, California... Um, Implodes. The entire thing just kind of says, uh, just as a slide to the left, cha cha, real smooth into the Pacific Ocean. Just as uh, the the his his wife's boyfriend flies him out of there. I'm skipping over the action scenes because oh,
1: like, also the, he can fly I a can plane. Them.
0: Oh yeah, he can fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, it's like it's literally never brought up in the movie until hey, you can fly a plane. That's a plane right there. Let's fly.
1: Okay, I don't think John Cusack was getting cucked. I think this guy was just genuinely better than him.
0: Point is, he goes back to Yellowstone and gets the map of China. And then Yellowstone explodes. And so everyone just kind of fucked now, I guess. And that's like, from there... It's not really as important what happens next. They kind of escape just out out of range of the plane of the, the explosions. They, there's a flight. There's a they, they switch planes in Las Vegas. Uh, some bullshit with the gear getting stuck. Blah blah. blah. Anyway, point is, uh, John Cusack gets uncucked when the wife's boyfriend dies for no reason. All all the assholes die. Uh, They save the world. They needed
1: a way to uh, get him back with his ex-wife. And the only way was to kill off the significantly better boyfriend.
0: And it's never mentioned again. (laughs) Like like, She just immediately gets over him. And yeah, that's, that's the movie. 2012. It got... $800 million box office. And I don't want to say, I'm kind of like the, the one remaining Roland Emmerich stan. Every one of his movies is like that, where everything happens in the first act, and the second act is just like people wandering around and kind of just doing nothing.
1: Pretty much.
0: The first half of every Roland Emmerich movie is The World Explodes. Second half is The Least Interesting People You've Ever Met Go On The Worst Road Trip You've Ever Seen. And this is not the exception.
1: He has a formula. It's just not a good one.
0: Yeah. I mean, he made $800 million.
1: Yeah, true.
0: So the question is, how? What was this movie? Why was this movie? Who was this movie?
1: Well, I think a big core component of this movie is the fact that um, it was based off of the Mayan calendars.
0: Right. There Thousand Nine 2009 was like the height of 2012 paranoia, and this comes from the idea that, uh, I mean, okay, so you, I don't know how old our listener base is. It's mostly my dad. So I think. <laughs> People probably remember 2012. So the idea was uh, December 21st, 2012. It's just all going to end. The minds predicted it. Their calendar ends. Uh, there's going to be a black hole or there's a planet that's going to hit us or the stars are going to align. Something's going to happen. Something weird's going to happen and the world's just going to end.
1: And they know this because um, the mind calendar ends on 2012
0: yeah that's that 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 was kind of
1: all the information i need
0: right but there's more because what would be this podcast if i didn't give you information you didn't need that goes Mm -hmm. for you and everyone in the world so the 2012 idea comes from the mayan the maya long count calendar and we don't know a lot about the maya well the ancient maya the maya are still around today just kind of hanging out uh and most of their writing was destroyed by the spanish during the conquest of uh, central america they just burned everything as her- as heretical but we do have some important surviving texts including the popova which includes which is the epic myth the epic uh story of the creation of the world and the worlds that came before going to the maya humans are the fourth attempt by the gods to create a species worthy of them we create a species that can name them and understand them they attempted once and those that attempt created the animals but animals can't speak so they just kind of rebooted the universe did it again they tried to make people out of mud But these people uh, just immediately dissolved back into mud. So they tried again. The third world, the gods created men out of uh, wood. These men, they didn't make them quite right. They were intelligent to an extent. They could create tools, but they were also cruel. They didn't understand emotion. They didn't understand like abstract concepts. So they were just kind of... Hanging around being dicks for five thousand years, five thousand one to twenty six years specifically, because after that time, thirteen baktun, which is the unit in the Mayan calendar, the gods decided to reboot the universe again, and so they sent a flood in. the The tools turned against them. The dog, their own dogs, turned against them. Like there, there's this ex. This it's actually like. Half the chapter is just describing what the gods did to these wood people. Like they make they fucking
1: hated these guys. Yeah,
0: they make the dogs talk. The gods find out (laughs) how to make dogs talk, so the dogs can just talk shit about the wood people for a a while. And Uh, so
1: making dogs talk negative.
0: Mm -hmm. Like dogs talk shit, and they try to hide. But the gods just kind of make their houses become sentient and destroy them. They make, like, this is a long sequence of the gods just making things sentient just so they can talk shit. It's it's amazing. But point is, would people... Wait a second.
1: Wait a second. Are you saying that the Mayans started a story where they implode the earth and then the rest of the story is them just walking around? (laughs)
0: <laughs> they, well it kind of reversed because the actually yeah yeah the Popovah is a lot of exploding the earth and then just a bunch of guys hanging around <laughs> it's it's half of it is just the, the destruction of the previous world the beginning of the new one and then the next one is just uh two twins playing basketball with death
1: oh my god two twins it all comes back to 2012 <laughs> the two little lads
0: yeah, two little I think once it, well, yeah, two little lads play basketball with death and then become the moon and the sun. Anyway. But some of the uh wood people survived and they became monkeys. And that's not why monkeys can't talk. They just kind of hang around being dicks all day. Because the gods hate them. So that's so that's the origin story. Because then after the monkeys. Uh, the gods try one last time and they make us out of corn they, they they make corn into like people however you do that so where does 2012 come in because like i said the world of the monkeys is supposed to have lasted at 13 baktun baktun is about 394 years so 13 is 5126 and we're in the mayan long count calendar The world began in 3114 B.C. So that means on December 21st, 2012, well, December 20th, actually. December 20th, 2012, we will have reached the point where the gods destroyed the monkeys. So, and this is kind of a a, vague logical jump here, is that because that's how long the monkeys lasted, that's probably how long we're going to last too. But... The, the Mayan calendar doesn't say that. It doesn't suggest that. There are, in fact, it's not the source.
1: Really... I saw it in a dream.
0: Yeah, and I mean, there there are multiple Mayan calendars. This it's like fragments we have. It's not like whenever you see the people think of the Mayan calendar, they think of that big stone with the stylized face in the middle, and the, it's it's round, it has all the symbols. But that's not even Mayan. That's Aztec. We don't even have the the actual mind calendar is just a series of fragments from stuff. The Spanish didn't get around to burning. And it's it's so.
1: And people were like, yes, yes. this clearly means end of times.
0: Right. Specifically by people. I'm going to say people in quotations because we're talking about hippies. That were the first people who got in on this. Because it came out as this idea of the, the New Age movement in the early 70s. I'm going to kind of brush over this because um, because I didn't do research specifically into this topic. But the New Age movement in the 70s became obsessed with this idea of transformation. That this is the beginning of the old world, beginning of the new. End of the old world, beginning of the new. And they saw the Mayan creation myth as an example of this. And because the Mayans were good at astronomy, decided that they knew what was actually happening. Originally, the idea was that the 2012 wasn't going to mark the end of the world, but rather a large transformation. This is the the 70s concept. It ties in with the uh, Age of Aquarius theory, which if you're familiar with that, a lot of this astrological stuff uh, that you're going to, and the world of darkness what that is we the live age of
1: aquarius
0: oh that was um i mostly know it because they're of the song which is a banger but in a,
1: uh I, is it is it the song that i am thinking of it um might be it. <laughs> wait the one from here i'm i typing the lyrics to you
0: i don't think that's a lyric
1: uh Yes, it is. All right, Lanny. The I've listeners got a at video home, to show you later. Buffy just
0: <laughs> typed me to be penis serious, penis delirious. <laughs> well, point is, age of penis Aquarius... Penis
1: various, penis... <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious, dawn of the age, penis Aquarius.
0: Ah. Anyway. <laughs> I'm, I don't know astrology. But, according to, like... 70s astrologists there was an old age the age of Pisces that's going to end there's like astrological ages every 2000 years or something and the new one is going to be the age of Aquarius and that means we're all going to be enlightened and be free from conformity and be able to rebel and be human and all the hippie stuff we're going to just the smoke weed it's the it's the age of weed
1: weed times upon yeah. us
0: anyway point out, but, but it, it, so the 2012 isn't an isolated incident rather a larger phenomenon and then as the 70s got went on became the 80s became the 90s uh that got a bit darker into this is going to be the end of days the old world is going to be destroyed violently and be replaced by something new. And you have to be ready for that. It became much more apocalyptic as the years went on. But the thing is, the 2012 movie isn't based on that. You can, It is a fascinating deep dive to get into, but the film wasn't really based on the mind calendar or the new age or the apocalyptic myths. Instead, Roland Emmerich, Decided to make a movie about biblical flood, described in the Book of Genesis, but he couldn't find a way to move, read it into his uh, into his formula. So instead, he decided. But that was until he read "Fingerprints of the Gods" by Graham Hancock. And to discuss more about Fingerprints of the Gods, Graham Hancock, as well as Charles Hapgood and, and the idea of crest shifting, I brought along a guest, uh, Floyd Wills, who is the who is a writer and researcher into ancient history. And uh, here we go. Okay, I am now joined by, uh, you can introduce yourself here
2: oh i'm i'm floyd wills i'm the author of the book the red-haired giants of lovelock cave and other ancient mysteries it's a a self-published book that has to do with anomalous uh, archaeological discoveries and everything from uh, giant skeleton discoveries in north america to uh, ancient civilizations uh, elongated skulls of peru uh, down to the florist hobbit of indonesia
0: all right. Thanks for uh, joining us, Ford.
2: Oh, thank you very much, Lanny. I really appreciate you having me on your show and uh, definite uh, appreciate your your listeners for having me on.
0: I've uh, brought you on to discuss kind of the more esoteric aspects of the film, the, the the inspirations of authors like Graham Hancock and Charles Capgood, things like that. And I think... Uh, um, the story is with this film is that Roland Emmerich wanted to make a film based on the biblical flood described in the book of Genesis, but he couldn't find a hook. He couldn't find something, a way to make it fit into his system. His he had he's, he's by this point he's made a lot of disaster movies. He knows how the system works, but he couldn't make it fit. But then he found, stumbled upon Graham Hancock's Fingerprints of the Gods, and it just clicks for him. Mm-hmm. And can you tell us more about uh, who Hancock is and his writing?
2: Uh, Graham Hancock is a, a researcher. Um, I I picked up his first book, Fingerprints of the Gods, back in the 90s. Actually, there was another book that he wrote, The Sign and the Seal, and that was on the Ark of the Covenant. And I also read that book and was just fascinated at his research. And and then I it really interested me to get into – Fingerprints of the Gods. And that book was really um, influential to me in the area of just researching ancient mysteries. Uh, Basically, uh, Graham's premise is that there was this mother civilization that goes way, way back, you know, 12,000, 13,000, maybe even further back when mainstream archaeologists will tell us that, you know, there were just hunter gatherers at that time. And Graham brings forth a lot of evidence that there was advanced ancient civilizations that were way back in the past, much further than anyone thought or what we've been told, that were wiped out by a cataclysmic event. And he talks about um, pole shifts in his in his first book, and he I I believe he also mentions uh, he starts to get into a comet impact that he, that is believed to have um, taken place around that time around 12 13 thousand years ago and he goes more in depth into that into magicians of the gods which was his uh, uh, sequel to uh, fingerprints of the gods and then america before which is the third book in the series which focuses a lot on north america and really gets into a lot of details of uh, the comet impact that hit uh you know that fragmented hit north america and um and europe as well
0: interesting so he he if i'm hearing you're right he but he doesn't really go into what the cataclysm exactly was other than he he mentions the comet but he doesn't does he really go into detail about uh the events that occurred
2: I think later on, in, in his later book, um, America Before, he kind of he kind of goes more in depth in that. I think in Fingerprints of the Gods, he he touches on the Earth crust displacement theory, mm-hmm. which was by Charles uh, Charles Hapgood. Um, but I think as he gets further in the series, it, it seems like he's kind of getting it a little bit more detailed into the potential cataclysm. But okay. still, there is no definite, you know, like you know, this is exactly what happened
0: and uh, charles hapgood is name dropped a couple of times in the film as being someone who saw this coming uh first by woody harrelson's character and then later there's a call back to that by john cusack and yes. can you tell me about uh what hapgood uh theorized
2: yes um so Hapgood he was um he was an anthropologist a historian and he had a, a number of other degrees um he was a researcher from back in the 50s 50s 60s and into the early 80s before he he actually died Mm -hmm. and his theory basically is that the um i i I think of it like this like an orange like Mm -hmm. if like the orange is the earth's core and the skin is you know is Mm -hmm. the is the mantle is is the land masses but unlike an orange where the skin where the skin is stuck to the orange it's loose and so the inner earth core can can rotate independently of um, of the mantle mm-hmm. and so at its at its core our our earth or what they think of uh, what they what the experts tell us is that it's it's solid iron in at the Earth's core and then it's surrounded by liquid iron and then you have um you have magma which is underneath the um the mantle underneath, uh, underneath the land masses, and so the Earth's core and the land mass move independently of each other. And from my understanding of Hapgood's theory, is that when there's an ice buildup, like through ice age, you know, like an ice age, and it, the ice just builds up in in these polar regions, that it puts so much um, weight and stress that it it can actually cause that that outer skin to shift. Which can create uh, obviously uh, havoc as far as earthquakes, right. volcanic eruptions, tsunamis, mm-hmm. that type of thing.
0: Interesting, because the orange, uh, the metaphor of the orange was used actually in the film by uh, Woody Harrelson. He has like a little poorly made animation to show it off.
2: Well, you just and jogged I, my memory yeah. because Lanny, I completely, I completely do not remember that part.
0: Yeah, and though, it, so the explanation used in the film is mm-hmm. that solar radiation is causing through a mutation of neutrino particles and is causing a of the earth's core. And I was wondering, does that come from somewhere? Is that something that maybe Hapgood or someone else came up with, or is that original Roland Emmerich?
2: Um, you know, good question. That I, I don't know, Lanny. I'm I'm not sure if that comes from if that comes from somewhere or if if Hapgood did did talk about that.
0: Okay, so that that, that always struck me as Roland Embrick kind of wanted to speed things up a little. Next thing I want to talk about is um, something you got into a little bit was this concept of pole shift. Can you explain to us what a pole shift is and how it happens?
2: Well, it's, you know, like I kind of touched on it a, a little bit, it's, it's, you know, where there's a, there's a, you have the, the earth's core, and then you have the mantle, and they're, they're moving at different speeds. And I, I'll just stick with Hapgood's theory is that when there's a, such an ice buildup that it, that it pulls that mantle, and it will shift continents at a, at a very rapid pace. So you might have, you know, an area that, um that is a tropical area and depending upon um, the shift i mean it could end up in a in a you know in a in a cold area and i i believe it was in siberia and i don't know if you've heard of this before lanny that they mm-hmm. found um they found mastodons um the remains of, of frozen mastodons and they still had um like almost like they had tropical plants that were in their stomachs hmm. that was undigested did you did you ever hear anything like that
0: I had, and the funny thing is, it's also from a Roland Emmerich movie. Oh he my God! He brings gosh. that up oh in Day Tell After Tomorrow. Oh my God! Tell me more about it. Oh wow! In Day okay. After Tomorrow, he uses it, but I think he, he uses it as example of like a rapidly onset ice age. Remember correctly? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, 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 he, 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 almost his entire filmography is just based on things like this. I think I think he's a fan.
2: Wow. That's, yeah, that's amazing. You know, a lot more, way more about him than me. And it's really fascinating for me to, tell, to like talk a little bit. And then you're like, oh, that was in this scene, you know, in yeah, this I'm, movie. And it's like, wow. Uh,
0: yeah. I'm something a fan myself. Yeah. No one makes him like he does.
2: Right. And so pole
0: shift is the idea is that the mantle moves, but the part of it, the, the core, which is the producing. Yes. The, the the magnetic poles stays the same. It's kind of like just, okay, okay, yeah.
2: Yeah, and you talk about magnetic poles, and what's interesting is if, think about it, because if the, the Earth at its core is, you've got like this huge mass of iron, solid iron, mm-hmm. well, isn't iron a good conduit for, right, right. for a, a electrical energy?
0: Okay, I just wanted to clarify magnetic, that. Magnetic, yeah. But something else I wanted to specifically talk about with this interview before you run out of time mm-hmm. is this concept and i've read other sources that discuss this i think uh hancock references it but the idea that of the ancient civilizations have existed in the past will be us someday that these civilizations enter the world that come after it As myth, as legend, as folklore.
2: So true. Yes, Um, it's so true. Because if you think about it, um, and I've thought about this before, and I thought, well, you know, if we get hit with a a cataclysm that pretty much takes out our civilization, and some other intelligent species arises, say, thousands or millions of years later, what kind of remnants are are they going to find left by us? And if they found anything. Would they, you know, they probably wouldn't even have any kind of concept of what they were, what they were looking at.
0: And have you, I, I was wondering, there's another work that you're familiar with the uh, Adam and Eve story, the the CIA document that was released a few years ago.
2: No, no, I'm I'm not. Tell me more about that. Well, it's. If I remember
0: correctly, the details is that it was a book that was written in the 1960s. The CIA blocked it from publication. And then in 2013, I believe it was, they released a sanitized copy of it Okay. for the public. You can find it on their website. You can find the PDF. It's only about like 50 pages long. And it, the theory is that due to something similar to described at Hapgood, a global geological event, Okay, complete cataclysm wipes out civilization, and that civilization later enters myth, and that these myths are the origins of the gods. That the he mentions uh Vishnu as this Vishnu and Osiris and Jesus were the survivors of the previous civilization. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if, if uh Hancock or Hap could ever introduce any themes like that.
2: Well, what you just told me kind of blows me away, Lanny, because I just read something literally the other day um, having to do with Charles Hapgood that I didn't know about. Apparently, this was in 1982. They found a letter that he he I don't know who he was sending this to, but he said that he was in process of writing a book that was going to further expand uh, uh, upon his um his other previous books on earth crust displacement theory but he said he had um a tremendous amount of evidence to prove that there were highly advanced civilizations over 100,000 years ago and what's interesting about this and I didn't know this is that Hapgood was hit by a car and he was killed hmm. that's how he died
0: i well the reason i brought that up is just the idea that if that is true, is what we see in the film a future legend? Will, if the events of this film actually happened, you know, 10,000 10, years in the future, will our descendants be telling stories about John Cusack and his escape from the flood?
2: Probably. And, you know, Graham Hancock talks about that, especially in uh, this first book, Fingerprints of the Gods, when he's talking about Mesoamerica and he's talking about like the legends of um, like the Aztecs and with Quetzalcoatl, um, you know, the feathered serpent and in South America, Viracocha, Mm -hmm. you know, and their legends were, you know, associated these gods as being they were tall, light skinned, bearded. And they were associated with the snake, and they they came to these different cultures uh, from a faraway land that had you know had uh, been destroyed, and they mm-hmm. they shared their shared their knowledge with these cultures, and then they disappeared, mm-hmm. and so then like when the conquistadors showed up, and the Aztecs you know through their through their uh, oral their history. You know, they were expecting, oh, you know, Quetzalcoatl, you know, they're coming back and this is going to be a good thing for us. And unfortunately, they made that mistake because right. the Spaniards were not there to to help their civilization. In fact, they were just to, to to rob and pillage and destroy.
0: And we there is so much of their civilizations and their writings that we have lost entirely because the Spanish just burned it all as heresy.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Just think how much has been destroyed
0: and it's not not only that but there are legends of throughout the world in you you can find them in in the populva the mm-hmm. the the, the mine or uh creation myth the idea that this is the fourth world and that the other worlds were had failed test of the gods and were destroyed yeah. you find it in in Greek mythology mm-hmm. that these this is the fourth these are the we are the fourth men or the others were destroyed either by the gods or in wars between the gods. Just all around the world you can find this same idea.
2: So true. You're mm-hmm. you're absolutely right.
0: And I think that was about all the questions I had. Were there anything is there anything you wanted to uh get in there before we close this out?
2: Um, oh, my gosh, you had some really fantastic, uh, fantastic questions. Um, I can't think anything off the, the top of my head unless you have any other just random additional questions for me.
0: Thanks for coming on. Is there anything you want to uh, plug before you go?
2: Sure. Uh, my book, The Red-Haired Giants of Lovelock Cave and Other Ancient Mysteries, can be found at bookbaby.com. You can just go on their bookshop and purchase it there. It's also on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. If you're interested in ancient civilizations, ancient mysteries, then I think my book might be a good fit for you. And I really appreciate coming on your show, Lanny. It's been very fun having a very Thanks. interesting conversation with you.
0: Thanks for coming on, Floyd. And we're mm-hmm. back. It's interesting conversation. Learned a lot. We.
1: Yep, it was a very interesting conversation.
0: So Graham Hancock. Like he said, he he writes sort of fingerprints of the gods, he's written a bunch of things like that. He's basically built a career out of this concept that there's a lost civilization that survives today in myths and legends. And this isn't something exclusive to him. This is a, a whole field of study, which I am just getting into now. There's a, a quote by him, by Graham Hancock, that we are a species with amnesia, and that's his theory. That this is not we. Have, this is not the first time that humanity has built a global civilization, an advanced civilization, that it's part of a, a larger cycle.
1: And we just forgot about it.
0: Yeah, we just forgot about it. We forgore.
1: We forgore.
0: We forgore. But now we're remembering, and. Graham Hancock is still writing today. He still has an army of stands. He uh, good for him. He just got a Netflix series, like, a couple months ago, actually. That he...
1: Aww.
0: Yeah. Where he talks about, you know, the ancient apocalypse, that's what it's called.
1: Interesting.
0: And it ties into a bunch of other things, like, uh teary rice map there is a map of, of south america by an a, an art by an ottoman cartographer from 1513 that knows more than people should have known things like that
1: mm-hmm. you No, know, it's
0: it's it's a whole favorite of study if if you're if this episode interested you i suggest you look into it for yourself and i don't know what do you think Buffy? What are your thoughts?
1: Uh, My thoughts about uh, just in general the um, interview?
0: Yeah, just like the the concepts involved.
1: Uh, I thought it was interesting stuff. Um, I I don't know if I necessarily think that the um, core has stopped working. Um, I think I might need a little bit more um, to...
0: You're gonna wait until uh you just kind of flip over one day.
1: Yeah um but it's definitely interesting. Mm-hmm. uh I thought the um stuff about the uh fourth world or like fourth iteration of people mm-hmm. was interesting that there's uh uh both a similar concept in. Mayan culture and Greek
0: right and Jack Kirby's writings yep it, 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 the, the three great civilizations of the Mayans the Greeks and early 70s DC
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's true uh, how did they do it? Clearly uh the work of aliens and nothing else
0: right and I'm um, I haven't looked into complete mythological comparison i, I I've done a that was my uh, I, I minored in broad religions with like a focus on comparative mythology, but I haven't looked mm-hmm. too much into this one for right. shame but,
1: obviously, it's not a one to one. I'm sure there's big. Been- right differences
0: and then also the idea that the last world was destroyed by a flood that's also very consistent uh the greeks i told you about them mm-hmm. you're familiar with that place
1: yeah
0: uh, the same point is interesting probably not because there was too much ice and it kind of de-oranged the earth but
1: hmm why do you think that there's sometimes overlap in uh, stories like these?
0: I think my theory, it, well, I don't know what to say, my, my theory, because it's, it's not my theory, but the theory I subscribe to is that there are kind of, well, the, uh, not to get too much into Carl Jung, but I'm going to get too much into Carl Jung, and mm-hmm. that the myths fulfill a psychological purpose and right. that he, because humanity has a common ancestor and we all share the same kind of in, set of instincts and traits in a broad sense that we all have these uh, inherit concepts within mm-hmm. ourselves the the uh, collective unconscious that when you see a dark you're afraid of the dark
1: right when you
0: see an old man you associate him with wisdom when you see water you, images that come to mind or are, are rebirth of cleansing and that these are all shared but not openly acknowledged so they find their ways into myth right. like i said that's that's the that's the old explanation that's that goes back to Carl Jung in the 1920s uh, there's been a lot more research and analysis done since then mm-hmm. but i think that's and and again i'm i'm not entirely qualified we might do an episode on that later but for
1: now
2: yeah probably- i
1: i find it really interesting when we find those you know like same cultural like signifiers and story or maybe like just um in certain beliefs mm-hmm. um I think uh a lot about <laughs> how um the story you were talking about earlier um with the creation of the world through the Aztec uh mythos uh, or I'm sorry <laughs> through the Mayan mythos yeah um uh kind of eventually gets into how monkeys are assholes and yeah. it makes me think of other stories that explain why other animals are assholes.
0: <laughs> the Greek story was about why ghosts are assholes.
1: I thought the Greeks hated geese.
0: I think they do. I'm not I don't have any
1: because to... yeah. I know Zeus um frequently shapeshifted into geese and terrorized people in goose form.
0: Right. I mean they don't have like half the flowers one of the Greeks were just women being assaulted by the gods who turned into flowers. Yeah. Like that. So it's 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 um I forget who called it that but it's it's the it's it's the um Rudyard Clit Kipling called them the just so stories.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: as this is how the animals became what they are. Right. I think that's a good place to end it, other than one more thing before we leave. It is that, like I was saying, 2012 may have been two and a half hours long, but when when the next flood happens, and the world is destroyed, and the new Homer comes around, his version of it will be so much longer is it will be turned into an epic and john cusack will eventually become a god because he survived and that's what matters
1: it's true again this is wish fulfillment specifically for john cusack
0: so i think we've been subtly building our our, our pantheon i think john cusack god of survival
1: <laughs> okay if John Cusack is God of Survival, who's Danny fucking Glover? Because he was just an old man that survived. Like, he I mean, was... He, he should have died in the movie. They no, he, did not...
0: He, he gets fucking owned. Remember the, the, the ship crashes on him?
1: Wait. I thought that,
0: um... Uh, Danny Glover was the president.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: Okay. And also... Yeah, that. But the I think that was cut. I think that's non-canon. I think that's that's so John Cusack, God of Survival. All right. Add it to the list. Okay. Is there anything else to say?
1: Not really. Um, I'm looking forward to our an episode that I'm writing coming Ooh, up. Yeah. Uh, I'm very close to getting that done.
0: Looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, Lanny, that
1: I might they, be buffy.
0: Yeah. They might be buffy. And
1: uh it was look, a pleasure being tell, in your headphones tonight.
0: <laughs> go for tell today. your friends, tell your family, tell your co-workers. <laughs> make a get an RV, hide on Yellowstone, make a fan cast.
1: Uh make an arc for make- Us specifically to get on.
0: Yeah. Make us a little cardboard boat so it can survive the flood. And thanks for listening. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: If you are, and (laughs) subscribe to our Patreon. Goodbye.
1: Goodbye. Ring the bell. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And ring the bell.